This morning we're continuing our new series, The Names of God, and if you've been on the website or read the emails, this is the little blurb that introduces it. It says, there's often a direct correlation between the names that God gives himself and the names he gives his people. Abraham could not become Abraham until Abram first understood God to be God Almighty. Moses could not carry out his task of prophetic shepherding until he had first received God's name, I am. This remains true for us today. God is still naming his children, but in order for us to live confidently in the names that God gives us, we must first allow God to name himself. Parker Ford is in a season of God renaming us as a body. Some of it is affirmation of things he's already spoken, Some of it is revelation of new depths to it. And some of it hopefully is new as God continues to name us. We're not statues. We're not concrete. We're people who are alive, which means that we change. I'm different than I was a month ago. So are you. You might not feel like it, but you're always changing. And God has designed us in such a way that we can walk with him and continue to know him deeper and deeper and deeper. You know how old Abraham was when God changed his name? He was real old. He was really old. Older than anybody in this room. He was close. He was right there. He was right there at 100 years old. So God naming Abraham, renaming him at 100 years old, Wherever you're at, whether you're 80 years old or you're 30 or somewhere in between today, God continues to desire to speak identity, his identity, over you. He wants to reveal who you are to you. Because guess what? You can't find out who you are without him telling you. Who you are is who God says you are. That's our deepest identity. What it means to fully agree with our identity in Christ is to say, God, I choose to see me as you see me. I choose to see my brother, my sister, as you see them. God is naming you today. He's naming Parker Ford today. But if we're going to actually be able to receive it as a family, as a flock, then what it starts with is receiving his name. Because our name will be dependent upon his name. Because who are we named after? Every family in heaven and on earth bears what name? Paul says this, the name of the Father. The name of the Father. He says, I pray in Ephesians, he says, I'm praying for you in the name of the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth has received its name. Our name is dependent upon God's name because he's our dad. My kids have my name because I'm their dad, right? They carry my family name Because I'm their father. In the same way, when God adopted us into his family, he joined us in to his family name. And so we actually bear, as the people of God, we bear the family name of God. So your real last name isn't Martin or whatever. Your real last name is the family name of God. That is your truest identity. 
So over the next several weeks, we're going to continue through the end of the year at looking at different names of God. And this morning, we're going to look at Jehovah Ra. Everybody say Jehovah Ra. Jehovah Ra. The Lord is my shepherd. This comes from Psalm 23, one of the most famous passages in Scripture. And when David prays, when he writes, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord there would be, as Justin uh, Boyer was teaching last Sunday, it would be all capitals. So if you look in your, in your Bibles, it would be the little capital letters because it's saying Yahweh, shepherd. So in other words, David is actually declaring God's name as shepherd. So in the English translation, it works out where the, the verb is put in there, and it's the Lord is my shepherd. But if you would read it in the Hebrew, it's just the Lord shepherd, the Lord my shepherd, the name. The Lord my shepherd, as if he's addressing God by name. The Lord my shepherd. He says, the Lord my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Lord, my shepherd. This is a personal name of God. And up until this point, this name hasn't been revealed yet. This is, this is the first time in scripture where God reveals himself with the personal name of shepherd. But then we're going to see that repeatedly throughout the rest of the Old Testament. The prophets love this. So Isaiah talks about it. Jeremiah talks about it. We're going to look at Ezekiel um, 34. In Ezekiel 34, he talks about it quite a bit. And then what does Jesus stand up and declare his name to be to the Pharisees in John 10? I'm the good shepherd. So David, what was he when he was a little boy? He was a shepherd. So he gets it on a personal level, right? Because before he went out and fought Goliath, it says that he fought the the lion and the bear. And he knew what it was like to shepherd. And David, writing this psalm later in life, you can kind of use your imagination and picture him. He's now king of the nation of Israel. And how does he think of his role as king? He thinks of it as shepherd. So he looks out on his flock, and we know that David got into a whole heap of trouble several different times in his life. He made some pretty poor choices, and yet he had a heart after God's heart, and he had a heart of worship, and he had this intimate relationship with God. And I can just imagine David looking out over his people, the people that he's called to be king of and lead, and he's like, this is my flock. This is my flock. And then he looks at God and he says, I got nothing if you're not first shepherding me. Because David can only be the shepherd that he's meant to be if he first can see God and say, but you're my shepherd. So while I'm shepherding these people and sometimes I'm messing up and sometimes I'm blowing it, I'm looking at you and I'm saying, but you're my shepherd. This isn't an academic thing for David. This is like intimate. This is intimate. This is him having a conversation with the one he loves so much. And he looks at God and he says, you're my shepherd. 
I'm not going to want a better way of saying that is I don't lack for anything I need. There is nothing that I actually need that I lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. David goes on to say, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, as a sheep of God in his flock, that there is nothing that can separate you from his presence. You know that. Okay. There is nothing, nothing that can separate you from his presence. I grew up in the southern Philippines for a portion of my life, and one of my closest friends, he was like an older brother to me. He was, he was a number of years older than me. Um, his name was Tony. And he was someone my dad brought to Christ and then became part of our family. And he's now in the Philippines working as a missionary among Muslim people groups in the southern Philippines. And a number of months ago, Tony was in the city of Marawi. Anybody heard that name in the news over the last six months, Marawi? So Marawi was the city in the southern Philippines that was overrun by ISIS about three or four months ago, and the whole city has been a, a war zone, and if you see pictures of it, you can look it up online. It's just bombed out, and it's crazy. Tony, my, my older brother Tony, was there in Marawi when ISIS came in and invaded the city. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Tony was with Jesus, he got out in the middle of the night. He found a driver to help him escape the city. Praise God, we were praying for him. Love Tony, he's awesome. But listen to me, whether it's an extreme situation like that, where you're in a city being overrun by ISIS, or you're going through another type of extreme situation, whether that's you're facing a health crisis, or family isn't working out the way you hoped it would, or whatever it is, listen, there is nothing that can separate you from God. David, looking at the mess in his life, looking at this huge amount of people. I get overwhelmed by thinking about pastoring a church like this. I can't imagine what it would be like to like, have that weight of responsibility to look out over a nation and say, I have the responsibility to shepherd these people. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God is our shepherd. Oh. There we go. Take a moment. Maybe you've never talk to God as your shepherd before. Take a moment and just say, God, you're my shepherd. So quiet your hearts, close your eyes, and just speak that to him. Just say, God, you are my shepherd. Tell him his name back to him. After David declares this name of God, this is going to become a major theme throughout the rest of the scripture because... God, through the prayer of his, 
his servant David has now revealed a piece of his character that is eternally true. God is our shepherd. He shepherds us today as intimately as he shepherded David that day. Ezekiel 34, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. So the prophet Ezekiel is writing during the Babylonian exile. And God is putting himself in the position of shepherd. And he says to Ezekiel, speak Speak to the people and tell them, listen, the shepherds that were supposed to be caring, instead of caring for the sheep, they've stolen from the sheep and they've driven them out. Instead of feeding them and leading them, they've hurt them. They've caused them pain. They've led them astray from me, not to me. Verse 5, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. The lost, they did not seek. Verse 7, therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord as I live declares the Lord God surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I... Listen, God inserting himself into the story now. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself, notice the emphasis there, like me, it's God himself will search for my sheep and will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered. So will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. He himself will be the shepherd. In Luke 15, verses 1 to 7, Jesus having a conversation with the Pharisees. Those who 
in that day were meant to be shepherds of the people, but much like the shepherds of Ezekiel's day were scattering the sheep rather than feeding them and leading them. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. So the sheep, the flock, are gathering around Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. What's the next parable in Luke 15? Anybody know off the top of your head? What is it? There's a big, I guess the big one, the prodigal son. And, and the, the story of the prodigal son is actually the story of the prodigal sons because the older son was just as lost as the younger son. The older son, if you look at this story, the older son would have been the scribes and Pharisees and the younger son would have been the tax collectors and sinners. They're both lost. You can be lost in religion, right? You can be just as distant from God and follow all the rules and have no relationship with him as the person who runs out and squanders their inheritance. There's two lost sheep in the story of the prodigal sons. The one strays and the one stays home. And when the one comes home, the one who strayed comes home, what happens? Throws a massive party. The father throws a massive party party. I've had this question for a while. I actually uh, preached a sermon at a wedding recently about this. What if the older son would have gone after the younger son? Like to return him home. We don't know what would have happened, whether the younger son would have listened or not. But in the real story, that's exactly what happened. Because who's the older brother in the family of God? Jesus. And what did he do? He left the father's home and went after the younger brother, us to return us home, and when he carries us back on his shoulders as the shepherd, and he's leading the parade, the party back home, and the father sees it, and all of heaven rejoices because the sheep that was lost was found. He is the older brother that left. He's the good shepherd. Jumping back to Ezekiel, starting in verse 20, it says, Therefore, Thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, here it is again, I, I myself, God is inserting himself, will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you push with side and shoulder. So he was railing against the false shepherds, but the sheep aren't off the hook either because the sheep have been fighting too and have been biting at one another's heels and stealing food from one another and dressing up in wolf's clothing. He says, I'm going to judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock 
They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd. Who? My servant David. And he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, I have spoken. Now we know that this is, this is a prophetic picture. It's not actually David that God's setting up. He's setting up the one who sits on David's throne. Because when David was praying, the Lord is my shepherd. Who was he actually talking to? He's talking to Jesus. He didn't know that at the time because as Hebrews 11 says, those who lived before Christ, they looked forward but didn't receive what they had hoped for. We, on the other hand, it says, we look back and we see that which was promised. So David, in the spirit, praying to God, inspired by God, looking up and talking to him, is praying to the good shepherd. He's praying to Jesus, though he doesn't fully understand that yet in his life. And then God says, I'm going to take that good shepherd and I'm going to set him on David's throne and he, he, I myself, will shepherd my people. And I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. It goes on to say, I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely. And then if you jump down to verse 31, he says, I'm going to go to verse 30. It says, and they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, and I'm with them and that they, the house of Israel are my people declares the Lord. And then verse 31, and you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture. And I am your God declares the Lord God. Often, we use the term sheep as like almost like an insult, right? Anybody heard the term sheeple? You're a sheeple. It's an insult. You're a person who's a sheep. In other words, you have no backbone. Like you can't make your own decisions. You just follow wherever, where, wherever someone leads. So it's an insult. Um, recently, I had someone say that about the people of Drexel Hill, uh, and they meant it as an insult. They were like, well, the people there are just a sheeple. They're just sheeple, right? And that's, that's like a really degrading way to talk about people and, and highly inappropriate and not true and not true about them or about you. But we are sheep and God doesn't mean it as an insult. He actually means it as a life-giving blessing. You're a sheep. I'm a sheep. We're sheep. Together we make up a flock. So... This is something I've been saying in different settings because it's so key to our identity. There's only five pictures for the church in the New Testament. And none of them have to do with institutions or businesses. The only five pictures, that the, the only way that the New Testament describes the church is family, body, temple, bride, and flock. Flock. So this becomes an eternal identity for all time for the people of God. So we can stand confidently today and say, we don't know much, we know this. We're sheep and we're a flock. Do you agree with me? All right, let's say it together. We're sheep and we're a flock. We're sheep and we're a flock. All right, sheep need a shepherd. 
If sheep don't have a shepherd, they jump off cliffs, right? They do silly things. Cliffs you've jumped off before, cliffs I've jumped off before. We've all done it, we've all been there, and we continue to struggle with wondering. But we have a good shepherd who seeks us out, who finds us. He's loving, he feeds us, and cares for us. Praise God. Now, one thing I want to say before I move on is there's different roles for shepherds. God is the good shepherd, the great shepherd, and then under him are under shepherds. And under shepherds are the elders of the church, deacons, pastors, those who minister, leaders in the church. So I am an under shepherd. Like David with his flock, I seek to say to God, you're my shepherd, help me shepherd. I can't shepherd unless you shepherd me. Once, you've re- once I've received the shepherding ministry of God in my own life, then it opens up a whole realm of possibilities in this life, in this realm. Because having received, I can give. You can't give without first receiving. You can't teach without first learning, right? This is the words of Jesus. So receiving, this is why we must receive the name of God first before we can be named to live out like we're meant to live. So David says, you're my shepherd, so I can shepherd. In the same way, leaders today have to do the same thing. God, you're my shepherd. There is no hope. There is no hope for me to actually care for these people in a way that is life-giving and loving unless I first receive it from the source. Otherwise, I'm going to be trying to feed people out of yesterday's manna or another term would be a broken cistern, right? You can't give a drink from a leaky well. You are also called to shepherd. You also are an under-shepherd whether that's your children or your spouse or your family, you are to treat one another in such a way that you receive the shepherding ministry and shepherd. So you also have that call as followers of Christ to receive God as shepherd and then to treat one another in such a way. To not bite one another. To not fight over silly things that don't matter and are just going to fade away anyway but to care for one another, to love one another, to treat one another with respect. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you in John 10, verse 1, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. So how does he call you? By what? By name. He calls you by name. And he leads you out. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. If you have a relationship with Christ, you know his voice. Perhaps you've been told a lie that you don't by the enemy or by, by someone else. Perhaps this is something you personally struggle with deeply. Do I hear from God? And is he actually speaking in my life? If you have a relationship with Christ, he is your good shepherd. Jesus is the one who said this, not me. Jesus is the one who said this. My sheep know my voice. You know the voice of God. 
Don't let the enemy ever tell you anything differently. Do not let that lie grow and fester in your spirit. God speaks to you. He is your shepherd and you know his voice. So you receive that, friends, this morning. If there was one thing from this, I would wish as a shepherd, as an under-shepherd of God over this flock, that I wish you would believe and receive. It is this. He calls you by name. He leads you out. He speaks to you. And you know his voice. Will you rest in that with me? Will you receive that with me? Man, that is so special and tender. A stranger they will not follow but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. Here it is again. And they know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I laid down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. That's us! Right? We weren't that original fold. God has brought us into his fold. He has brought us into his flock. That's us. He was talking about you and me. That day he was talking about you and me. Today. Here. And I have other sheep that are not of my fold. And I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock. One shepherd. For this reason the father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. And I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not lack for anything. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you and restores your soul. He leads you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Take that personally. Understand that God is speaking to you about his own ministry, just like he spoke in Ezekiel. I, I myself, will shepherd the flock. I, I myself, will send my servant to sit on David's throne to shepherd my flock. And Jesus stands up and says, guess what? Here I am. I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for you I do not steal from you I do not push you away rather than taking from you that I might be greater Jesus lays down his life for the flock that we might be restored to the father that we might truly be a part of his flock the Lord is your shepherd he guides you he feeds you he protects you he leads you He comforts you. He speaks to you. You know his voice. Worship team, I invite you to come back up. Let's take a moment while the worship team is coming up. 
I'm going to pray. But I would just invite you to really uh, pray those first few words. You probably have them memorized. If you don't, you can open your Bible to Psalm 23. Pray those, those first few words and just really personalize it. Not just for you, but for our body. Because when it says the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is our shepherd. And I'm not going to lack for anything that I actually need to live the life that God has called for me. We are not going to lack as a people of God, as the body of Christ, as his flock. We lack for nothing that is required for walking out life in such a way that it's pleasing to God. He leads you. He leads me. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his own name's sake. Even though we might walk through the valley of the shadow of death, whether we're in a city overrun by ISIS or we're struggling with cancer or who knows whatever else is buffeting us in this life, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't actually have to be afraid of anything except for fearing God appropriately because he is with us. He's with you. The good shepherd does not abandon his flock, not for one moment. He's not, he's not human like we're human. He doesn't sleep or slumber, right? God doesn't sleep on the job. He doesn't fall asleep. He's awake, he's alive, he's active, and he's speaking. And church, family, flock, you know his voice. If you have a relationship with him as your Lord and Savior, you know his voice. So trust that. Receive it. Be named today, Parker Ford Church. You are the flock of the good shepherd. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.